Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. I think it's really important for us as Christian people to know what we believe. Agree? And I think it is just as important to learn how to put language to what we believe. Agree? Because sometimes I find that people uh, have a belief system. They might believe something's true. I, I feel like this is right, but I'm not sure how to say it. And I think we, we got to try to put language to the things that we believe. So today I'm going to talk about a really important topic. Uh, I'm talking about mental health. And I did not become a physician in the last few weeks. Uh, that didn't happen. I wouldn't position myself uh, as, a, as a mental health professional. I'm a pastor, but what I can do is I can, I can read, I can study, uh, I can go and speak to mental health care professionals and ask them questions. And guys, I've done that uh, to be able to come here and, and, and speak this out today. And the subject that we're talking about, it's not a taboo subject, but it's not often spoken about uh, in church. <laughs> Probably because, well, guys, it's a pretty big book, right? There's a lot of stuff that we got to get through. And it's true that this stuff doesn't always take center stage. In fact, some people would say that we shouldn't even be talking about it. Um, but at the end of the day, you asked for it. So we are going to talk about it today. And what we're talking about when we, when we speak about mental health, it's not just some pocket of the population that struggles with mental health. This is a mainstream issue. And I want to say to you today, if you are here, whether you're in person or you're watching online, and you struggle with your own mental health, you are not alone, not by a long shot. I looked up the Australian Bureau of Statistics. They released a report in July of this year, and they said two out of five Australians, that's a lot. That's 43.7% of our population have had experience with a mental disorder at one time in their life. That's a lot. Um, one in five people have had a mental health experience or disorder that's lasted longer than 12 months. That's 3.3 million Australians. Beyond Blue have across their websites, very easy to find this information that the most commonly diagnosed issue they, that, that they find is the issue of anxiety. I know that over in the United States, it is the most common diagnosis, for like health diagnosis. Um, it's more common than cancer. It's more common than heart disease. Um, this is a far-reaching and widespread topic that affects a lot of people. In Australia, one quarter or 25% of people will experience anxiety in their life. And in any 12-month period, 2 million Australians are struggling at this very present time. 2 million Australians are struggling with the issues around anxiety. So when we talk about mental health, mental health is a scale. You could have good mental health or you could have poor mental health, but it's a scale. And when we say it, we're often using it as a substitute word for depression, anxiety conditions, schizophrenia. There's a lot of conditions um, that would be attached to that phrase mental health. And it's important because it affects people in so many ways. It affects them on an emotional level, on a psychological level. It affects their social life. 
I mean, this has far-reaching implications for people that struggle with mental health disorders. It affects the way that they make decisions. It affects the speed with which they make decisions, how they cope with situations, handle stress, who their friends are, the church that they go to. And even for some people, like there are Christians out there that just don't even go to church because they are overwhelmed and, and, and stress out with this this these issues, you know. Um, this has been an issue for a long time in our culture. But COVID did not help. COVID didn't help. It made it worse. And overseas especially, but even in Australia, they, people were starting to use this phrase, coin this term, COVID psychosis. It's this constant state of worry constantly being worried about things. And you know what, we all went through it. So it's not hard to imagine why people ended up in this way and constantly worrying. If you just spend any amount of time on social media or reading the news, it put people in a state of worry. And mainly because they couldn't tell what was fact or fiction. They didn't know, uh, you, know you know, what's fantasy? Like it's put them somewhere between reality and fantasy and, and people really struggle with that. We know that mental health does not discriminate. It doesn't belong to a class of people. It doesn't belong to some socioeconomic group. It wouldn't matter, um, you know, financially how much you earn or what your race is. We could go to any country around the world and people struggle with the issues around mental health. It doesn't matter what your philosophy to life is, you can still struggle with mental health. And, and it even doesn't matter what your uh, religious beliefs are. It, there are people that are not Christian that are obviously affected, but there are plenty of Christians that are profoundly impacted by mental health conditions and illnesses. And that might challenge some people. I can tell you this, that as a church, one of the things that we do is we have on our website an opportunity for people to submit a prayer request. So every Tuesday, we get those prayer requests, we summarize them, we pray over them together as a staff with our, with our team. Everyone gets together and prays over those things. And then we send it to a specific group of people who continue to pray for those things during the week. The most requested issue, or the, the issue that, that comes up the most frequent is please pray for my mental health by, by, a, by a clear mile. There are physical conditions in there, but mental health is absolutely the one that is the most requested prayer-related issue. So, you know, if we look back and look at, you know, the church for years, and I'm not talking about bright church, but, you know, we're talking about the church. Uh, the church doesn't really or, or didn't for a long time speak on the topic of mental health. And maybe because it was a hard issue to talk about. Maybe it was a difficult issue to speak about. Maybe it was just difficult to understand. But I think that one of the reasons why people struggle to speak about mental health, maybe pastors and leaders, you know, historically have struggled with it, is because it messes with people's theology. Like if you're a Christian, should you even struggle with mental health? If you're a Christian, should you just be able to pray and, and move past that? You know, there would have been plenty of people, and there are plenty of people that have received advice over the years. You know, I think, gosh, this is like, you know, like probably like some of Job's friends, you know, like they get around him and say, hey, um, have you tried praying? Have you just tried to pray this thing out of you? Or, or, or have, you tried, have you tried that? Yeah, of course they've tried it, right? 
There's plenty of people that, that prayed for these issues and it, it just, it was a difficult thing for, for people to probably navigate, you know? And so sometimes, and this is absolutely true, when, when people are wrestling through their theology, what do we really believe about mental health and, 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 and the message of the gospel, right? Where does it all fit and make sense? People tried to scramble for answers. So some of the poor answers might've been something like, well, the reason that you're struggling and the reason these things are evident in your life is because there's some secret sin that you've got. And because there's sin in your life, that's why you're you struggle. Of course, we know that that's not true. Other people say, well, maybe the reason that it hasn't left you or you, you don't have better meta, mental health condition is because you just don't have the faith for it. And, and whenever people hear things like that and they do struggle with their mental health, that is a really difficult thing to hear. A really difficult thing to hear. Because they start to question, gosh, you, maybe you're right. Like, don't I have enough faith? Well, I don't believe. I feel like when I pray, I feel like I'm saying the right words. And I do believe that God could heal me, but, but I, I'm still living in this present reality. And I, in, in my research, I, I found countless stories. I really mean it. Like, I didn't count them. There were so many stories of Christian people that were seeking answers and arrived at these kind of conclusions or heard these from pastoral leaders in their life. And I think, I, I just think we have to be really careful about how we suggest that people have mental health conditions and the source of those, of those issues in their life. I, I left, um, you know, recruitment in 2009 and came to church to do recruitment in the church, you know. So, so you know, here I am and I, I left and I started on staff at, at church. And in my first year, my pastor, Pastor Corey, had what he calls his dark night of the soul. I don't mind speaking about it because he's even written about it in books and so forth. And so he really struggled. And and I remember as a, as a team of people, looking at his mental health declining until the point that we had to send him away where he had to get a, a, some space from church and he had to just spend some time with God and speak to some professionals and start to get some help for what he was going through. I remember when he came back, there was this time where we were discussing something. We were trying to come up with a solution to something. I don't even know what it was, but I remember he said, oh, I think we should do this. And he almost exclaimed at his own idea. He said, oh, I can tell I'm starting to feel better again because decisions are starting to come back to me or answers are starting to come back to me. I'm making my decisions easier, right? So he was struggling with making decisions. I remember when he first came back, he, he didn't really say too much. I know that during his time away, he slept a lot because that was the condition that he was in. Now, if you said to me, hey, does the man have faith? I'd be like, yeah, have you met him? <laughs> yep. Oh, he's got it in spades. Do you think he prayed about it? Yep, of course he did. It's nearly 10 years ago um, that in a really sad circumstance, Rick Warren's son took his own life because he struggled with mental health all of his life and he was surrounded by people that believe his his whole family they um are very obviously they're, they're christians they took him to the best psychologists and 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 counselors and they they prayed over him and he prayed and he just faced that battle every day until one day he failed and he very sadly he he took his own life but if you ask me did he and his family have faith yeah did they pray yeah 
You don't have to look very far. Look in the Scriptures. Paul the Apostle says in this, in this one part, we literally despaired of life itself. Do you know the number one reason why pastors quit? Discouragement. That comes from poor mental health. They end up depressed, always on Monday. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they struggle. And so here are people, pastors, this, this, this role is one of the highest turnover industries that you can have. People burn out so easily all the time. And this is people whose calling and profession is to explain the Word of God and to preach in faith and pray for people and lead people in that space. And they themselves struggle with it. I, I just think we've got to be really careful how we think about mental health. I think it's a total myth that if you're a Christian, you'll never struggle with depression or anxiety or burnout. Read the Psalms. They're like this. Here's what David said in Psalm 88, verse 3 to 4. He said, For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. Sheol was the place of the dead. He's saying, my soul is full of troubles. Uh, uh, Guys, I I, I feel like I'm going to die. That's extreme. In verse 4, he says, I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. Oh, it's all over. It's, It's finished. This is a guy who's not in a really good place. He says, I'm a man who has no strength. And he says that, if you look at the timeline of David's life, he says that after he's defeated Goliath. I mean, you've got to have faith to defeat Goliath, yeah? I mean, Goliath comes out, intimidates the entire nation of Israel. None of the trained warriors were willing to fight Goliath. And what does David say? You come at me with a, you know, a sword and, and, and spear and javelin. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Man, that is big faith. You've got to have faith to run onto the battlefield with a slingshot against an enemy that has taken more heads than anyone's taken heads. And they, they know this guy can kill people. And it's like, no, nah, no, nah, I think my slingshot will be all right. The Lord will guide these, uh, these pebbles to the giant's head. And the guy had faith in that season and now here he is in another season he's saying no my soul is full of troubles i'm in i'm in trouble i I draw near to sheol david's life was a series of highs and lows highs and lows if we just focus on the highs you know say what do we know about david oh let me tell you about david david was uh, you know called by god and anointed by samuel it was amazing like he looked past all his brothers and and just chose david you know and david wrestled his lions and his bears and he killed goliath and you know he you know saul killed his thousands but david oh he's tens of thousands like david's an amazing guy right you know what this is this is like the, this is like the instagram of david's life only the best stories make the cut you know, it's like, wow, amazing. Good David, it must be amazing to have your life. One of the things I love most about the Bible is it doesn't just celebrate the highs. It actually tells you about the lows. Now, let me tell you something, guys. I love the gospel. I love it. I think it's the greatest message you'll ever hear on planet Earth. God loves you so much that Jesus came to pay the penalty for all of your sin and your mistakes. And if you believe in Him and put your faith and your trust in Him, He gives you His righteousness, takes all of your sin, and you get eternal life with Jesus. That's an awesome message. 
That's what we might call the high point, yeah? But you know that the Scriptures also say a few other things. They say, take heart because in this world you will have tribulation. There's going to be some challenges that you'll face. And I love the victorious message of the Gospel. But if all we ever do is focus on the highlight reel of the Scriptures... If all we ever do is say to people, come to Jesus and all of your problems will go away. Well, that's not exactly honest either, is it? Actually, to be, it's kind of funny. Like your, your biggest problem will be solved. What's that? Sin. Because the consequence of sin is severe, right? So your biggest problem is solved. Yeah, but you just picked up a lot of other problems too. Because for the first time in your life, you were going against the tide of our culture. Not to mention the fact that the devil isn't very happy that you're following Jesus. And you know, you know stuff that can destroy his kingdom. So he's against you too. So you've got to understand in this world, you're going to have some troubles some tribulation it's not all from victory and victory and and glory to glory so when we say uh yes you are saved saved from what well saved from the wrath of God because your your sins all been forgiven but you know when you got saved your finances weren't fixed you know Like, like you got saved just but that part of you, you got saved, yeah, but your finances didn't suddenly go through the roof. No, there's still stewardship principles and practices. You know, you can be saved and be financially in ruin because, you know, you don't apply the right principles in your life. When you got saved, right, your body wasn't automatically healed of every condition that it's ever had. You know, when you got healed, it's not like all the fat dropped off and suddenly you had abs and your body was amazing. You know, I reckon if people got abs from when they got saved, people would be Christians everywhere. It's like, yeah, yeah, give me Jeebus. I don't care. What's his name? Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I want, I want the thing, you know. People be all over it, right? But you don't get abs when you get saved, right? When you, when you, when you get saved, right, not all your relationships are fixed, are they? No, no, you got saved, but you know what? When, when that happened, you realised some things and you thought, oh, maybe I've got to go back and forgive some people in my past. Maybe I've actually got to ask for forgiveness. I've got to sow into my relationships. I've got to fix and mend some things. So there's a part of you that gets saved. What do we really mean by that? When you get saved, the Bible says that you are a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. But even though the new is here, it still remembers everything that you did. Your memories don't go away. You still have the ability to sin. That's still a very real thing. Now, all of your sins will be forgiven, but when you got saved, it didn't mean that everything was fixed and every problem went away and you became perfect. No, that's what we call sanctification. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, making you become more like Jesus. It's something He does to you. And as long as you're following Him, it should unfold in your life. When we talk about getting saved, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you'll never face a mental health challenge in your life. It doesn't mean that. But it can. It might. There are some people that just don't seem to worry. There are some people that just have a grace. Like, aren't you ever worried? They're like, nah, just give it to God. It's like, man, this person has just walks in peace all of the time. And then you've got other people that, in all honesty, they worry about stuff all the time, stuff that they don't need to worry about. And so when I I look at this, I I realise, and it comes to the the issue of of mental health and, and salvation, yes, 
Not all your problems are fixed. You might face mental health challenges, but there's, I, I think there's always hope in Jesus. There's always hope in Jesus. So why do we have mental health issues? Why do we have to have any of this stuff? The reason we have mental health issues is the same reason we have any issues, and the problem is sin. And not your sins. I'm not saying that you, because you've sinned, that's why you have mental health issues. That, that, that might be true, but what I'm really talking about is original sin. I'm going back to creation. I'm going back to the beginning. I'm talking about Adam and Eve. And what do we know in that story? That they, they took, you know, look, I don't know what kind of fruit it was. I love apples, right? They get a bad rap, you know. I, I, it's probably more like a lemon or something, like something sour, you know. I, but, then, but then they probably wouldn't have wanted to eat it. Look, I don't, I don't, it's, the, the point is the fruit is irrelevant, but the disobedience matters a lot. God said, don't eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, because if you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, what did we know about that, right? Well, they took the fruit. That, there was that disobedience. And I, I don't think that Adam and Eve had any idea about the consequence that would be attached to that seemingly small act of disobedience. That thing changed absolutely everything. Sin corrupted the material and the immaterial universe. And when I say that, it's probably hard for some people to understand that because all you've ever known, and as far back as you can see in history, and, and, and apart from reading the Bible, all you've ever known is death and destruction. But it wasn't this way in the beginning. In the beginning, creation was supposed to last forever. So that's impossible. Well, only because you're basing that on everything that you see today. But it didn't, it didn't work like that back then. When human beings were created, they were never meant to die. Death is the curse of sin. So people weren't supposed to die. So oh, how could you say that? How could, how could people live forever? Well, it was different back then. That's what I'm saying. Everything you know is only about death and destruction since this point. This is what the, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. That word corruption in its original language, it literally means decomposition. Everything's breaking down. It says, to and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, there is coming a day when the curse will be reversed, but we are not there yet. Since Jesus came, we see pockets of the kingdom of God breaking through. We do see some things being fixed. We see some people getting healed, but it's quite clearly, it's, it's obvious that it's not happening exclusively everywhere across the planet. Every birthday I celebrate, I've got just a little bit more gray hair. You know, well, why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. I know, it's horrible. That's why I'm repping some bright youth merch right now. I'm hoping there's some kind of anointing that'll flow through the T-shirt and touch my life and turn my hair back. It's just probably not going to happen. I, I, you know, and we, this is what we know to be true. Everything that we know is that it ends, that it's breaking down. That, that's our experience. 
We don't live in the world where everything is being quite redeemed yet. It's the now but not yet season. I think we've got to understand how our bodies are made. You know, the, the Scriptures say that you are body, soul and spirit. And those three are linked. Psychologists will use this term psychosomatic, Right? So when they talk about that, they often use it in reference to mental health related issues. And psychosomatic comes from two uh, Greek biblical words, one uh, psyche, which is about your mind, and the other one soma, which is about your body. And so this is these two things, your mind and your body, they are linked, they are connected, and they profoundly affect each other. A few years ago, I went through a season of stress in my life where I thought I may have been diagnosed with a condition and then it took some time for us to figure out whether that was real or not. And so, you know, I kept on going back and seeing the doctors. Anyway, look, after nine months, he says, nah, you don't have it, never did. You're all clear. And I thought, great, I'm in the clear. And during that time and that season, let me just tell you, I, I prayed to God, I had faith, I, I, I slept like a baby. So I wasn't anxious at night. I'm telling you, I, guys, I nailed that season. I had peace in my heart. I had faith. I got up and preached every single week. I didn't have the answer to my questions, you know, about my own personal health, but I preached in faith. I believed, right? And everything that I could do, I mean, I did it. I really, really did it. So two weeks after I get the all clear, I'm walking through Colt's shopping center and I start to get these pains that are in my arms. They were so bad, I did not want to go back to the doctors because I was sick of that. And I thought, but I've got to go see someone. I went in and saw the doctor. I said, mate, I've done something to my arm. And he said, what is it? I said, I don't know, it just started hurting. And he says, oh yeah. And then he smugly sits back in his chair and smiles and looks at me. And I said, what? And he goes, well, can you just tell me, have you gone through anything stressful in the last 12 months, right? And I could see where he was going. And I was like, hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, first of all, yes, there was this thing. We thought we had, it lasted about nine months, right? But I said to him, mate, I handled it like a boss. I said, I'm serious. I said, you don't know. I, I know where you're going with this. I said, but let me tell you, I slept like a baby every night. I had peace in my heart. I got up, I prayed, I gave it to God. And this is what he says. He goes, I understand what you're saying. He said, but at the same time, what you've actually done is you've suppressed some of those things. And even though you had faith because you are a mentally strong and resilient person, you did suppress some of those things. And the pains that your body is experiencing now are the manifestation of stress that you didn't address in your life and I thought well what am I supposed to do now <laughs> I literally didn't know how to handle it because I said I did handle it as best as anyone can can do it and he said I, I said what do I do doc you know and he said just say this is not a thing and then eventually it'll go away and the reality is that it actually did my point is that your mind and your body are connected so just how connected are they just how connected is your mind and your body? Kerry Newhoff wrote a book, At Your Best, and he says this, the American Psychological Association noted that the impact of stress can include, stress happens in the mind. Let's look at what happens in your body when you start to stress. Headaches, chronic pain, shortness of breath, and full-on panic attacks. Stress has also been linked to heartburn, acid reflux, bloating, nausea, 
indigestion, loss of sexual desire, lower sperm count, lower sperm motility. I didn't even, like, they're really doubling down on that area, aren't they? It says, and the inability to conceive. In addition, stress can adversely affect your memory function, slow your reaction time, and create behavioral and mood disorders. Stress can also impair communication between your immune system and your HBA access, a complex multi-organ feedback system that regulates stress hormones, including cortisol. Stress raises your cortisol levels, which in turn can spawn a host of physical and mental health issues like chronic fatigue, diabetes, obesity, depression, and autoimmune disorders. Research also links stress to cardiovascular problems as life-threatening as heart attacks and strokes. So in other words, how linked are they? Very linked, extremely linked. Your mind and your body are linked. So what do we do when we have health problems? What do we do? Well, one of the things that I do is I pray. Do you know why I pray? Because I believe in miracles. I believe that God is able to do miraculous things. I've prayed for people and seen them completely healed. I prayed for someone in the last couple of weeks in this church and they they had a lump that completely disappeared. And that's just one of many things that I've seen. I absolutely believe in miracles. So when something happens, I've seen cancer retreat. I've seen the most amazing things. And I just figure if God can do all of those things, nothing's too big for Him. You raise somebody from the dead, there's no problem too hard for Him. Yeah? But every now and then I just get a headache and I pray for it and nothing happens. So I give God a window of opportunity to move in my life. I believe God that you can heal this headache and I pray in Jesus' name that it goes away. 20 minutes later, I'll probably just go get a Panadol though. Because one of the things that I've discovered is what I don't get by miracle, I need to learn to manage. What I don't get by miracle, I need to learn to manage. So my, my, my son, Isaac, he you know, broke his arm a few years ago. I was, remember I was, I was working on the computer in my office and I heard him walk through the door and I can, the moment I heard his voice, I said, oh, geez, he's, he's broken something. I could just tell. And he comes into my office and he, he shows me his arm and I'm like, yep, definitely broken. You know, I, I could just tell. And I, I said, um, all right, well, hey, let's, let's pray for this, right? So, so I'm praying for it. And at the same time, I'm praying, believing for healing and searching for my keys to go to the ER. Yeah? And, and we did, and we went and we, we got a cast on his arm. I believed that God could heal him, but he didn't. And so we had to go get a cast on his arm. And when I did that, nobody came to me and said, you faithless pastor of a human being. I can't believe, where is your faith, Pastor Ben Ray? Didn't you just pray over it? Yeah, I tried that. But when we didn't get the miracle, I had to actually manage what I was left with. And it makes sense. Nobody ever comes to somebody with a broken arm and says, where's your faith, mate? No one says that. Do you know why? Because we can see really easily the impact of physical trauma and how it impacts somebody. But emotional trauma is a lot harder to see and diagnose. It's a lot harder. And so when we, when we look at 
mental illness, we got to understand that it's still a response to some kind of impact. The impact can be external, internal, it can be physical, it can be psychological. There are so many reasons why people might struggle with their mental health. Not, not, not to mention that some people just have a biological disposition. For other people, it's environmental. You were put in a stressful situation that changed your physiology because that, that thing, it, it did something. It, it destroyed you in some way. Sometimes we, you know, when if you go see some people, and then this came a lot came out of this research that I read. If you go see someone one, uh, about your mental health issues, say you're going in with stress, one of the things that they'll ask you is, "Hey, um, how are your hormone levels?" So they'll they'll do some blood work and check that. One of the things that they might check is your vitamins. <laughs> Believe it or not, one of the first things I, I heard that they often do will check your vitamin D levels. So you, are you getting out into the sunshine because that can actually affect your physiology. Now, I, I'm a person that believes in miracles. I believe that God can heal everything. I, I've seen him do amazing things. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen, you go see someone about it. My point is that if there's no shame with me going to get a cast on the arm of my son, why should there be any shame on somebody who has to go see a mental health care professional to deal with something physically that's going on in their body? Even if it is uh, mentally, happening to the mentally, I mean. If there's no shame for one, I, I sort of go, there should be no shame for others. So the, the question is, if I struggle with mental health, does that mean I don't trust God enough? No. No. But I mean, it might mean that. It might mean that. It might mean that you don't trust God. Like if I'm always worried about my finances, right? And I'm always worried about it. Oh, you know, I don't have enough money. I'm, you know, feel the stress and the pressure. And I'm always worried about it. Then, then and, and I do have enough money, but I'm always worried that it's going to run out. Well, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe I am worried about something that I should just be handing over to God. But every now and then there are people that struggle with stuff and they're trying to hand it with God, but they just can't seem to let it go. And I, I look at that and I think that that's a different thing altogether. So, so there's a yes and the no answer here. But does it mean if you struggle with your mental health, does it categorically mean that you do not trust God? And the answer is no. No. No one's ever come to somebody with a broken leg and said, come on, mate, where's your faith? Get up and walk, rip the thing off, you know, come on. No one says that. They're like, oh, did you break your arm? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. You've got a cast. Are oh, you struggling with mental health? Oh, fair enough. You went and saw someone. Okay, great. You see, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's the same thing. I love what Craig Rochelle says about this. He said, getting help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of wisdom. Sometimes, look, we're people of faith, yeah? Yeah. I saw Nick say, yeah, but the rest of you, I'm praying for you, right? So we're people of faith, yeah? Okay, so we are people of faith. We believe that God can do anything, but we still presently live in reality. There are still some things that we need to face and say, yeah, we believe that God can do it, but right now it's, it's not really done. I, I, I read a, a number of stories of parents that just couldn't accept that what was happening was biological or even environmental. And they're trying to scramble for answers spiritually. So you know what they came up with? They, they were certain that their child had to have a demon. That's the only reason that, that, that anybody could struggle with mental health. That's what it has to be because they, they just couldn't seem to wrap their heads around it. And, you know, when I, 
let, let me say this. I think that all sickness is demonic because it's all a result. It's a curse. It's from the curse of sin, yeah? So it's all of it, it in its origin, sickness and disease. It's demonic in that sense. But that is not the same thing as a person who's mentally unwell. It's not the same thing as having a demon. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference between the two? It's not necessarily the the same thing although it is interesting because in the bible there are stories where jesus comes across a little boy who's having seizures we probably would have called it epilepsy and he's having seizures and jesus diagnoses the issue as a demon and casts the thing out and then the boy was okay he finds another guy that's walking around the tombs right and cutting himself and he casts out a legion of demons and the, the town come out and they find this man that was once cutting himself and no one could restrain him, yet they find him in his right mind. I guess Jesus was able to discern the difference between what was biological, what was environmental and what was spiritual. The problem is if we always over-spiritualize everything, it really doesn't help the person that's going through tough things. And it really doesn't help them because then they might start to scramble for the same answers. So somebody's going through something really tough and we say, it's got to be demonic, it's a demon. <laughs> have you tried praying? They're like, yeah, of course I have. What do you think I've been doing? Of course I've been praying about these things. I had to pray about these things. And then, and then they're still struggling with it. So they're asking the same questions. They're going, well, how come I haven't got rid of it then? Maybe he's right. Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe this really is my issue. And that doesn't help because what needs to happen in that moment is they need to experience some sense of validation. So let me talk about validation for a moment. Validation can actually be a really healing process. If we diagnose everything as a demon, then they're saying, so what I'm experiencing is not reasonable. And someone might come along and tell them, no. Now, when we talk about validation, sometimes people have feelings and not every feeling needs to be validated. There's plenty of people around the world carrying offences and they have no good reason for it and they need to let go of those things, all right? So not every feeling is worth being validated. But when you're struggling with mental health and you feel like that this is a really hard thing, that can be validated. So let's not over-spiritualise something when a person just actually needs some, some love, some care and some support. A number of years ago, Sarah and I went to the doctors and they, they had done scans and they diagnosed Sarah with a degenerative spinal issue in, in her neck. We're sitting there in the doctor's office and as he gives us his diagnosis, I just refused to accept it. Um, we got into the car and I just turned into the most victorious pastor you've ever seen. What did I say? I said, nope. I said, don't listen to it, Sarah. Don't accept anything they say. I reject those words in Jesus' name, right? You know what I'm doing? I'm actually trying to encourage her because I don't want her to start to feel bad about this. I'm like, don't let any of those words sink into your heart. We believe that God is able to do abundantly above what we think or hope. And I'm, I am the victorious pastor. It was a total fail. Because what she really needed in that moment was just a loving husband. Someone that said, I am so sorry that you are going through this right now. I'm so sorry that you have to deal with this. But we're going to pray. We're going to pray about this. See, I realise that faith doesn't deny reality. 
if faith denies reality, how can you even pray for anything? It doesn't exist. It has to first exist in order to pray about it, yeah? So faith sees reality. It just confesses the possibility of what? Of Jesus, of the hope that we have in Him, that he's, He is able to do those things. But at the same time, we have to still live in reality. See, I, I understand something that we, that we all need to come to accept, which is that until Jesus comes back, until he comes back and resurrects the dead and raises us and we go to be with him, we are going to be subjected to this world, to this life, to the degrading of, of our bodies. It's just, a, it's just a practical reality. Until we get there, we still have to face some things here. We're in this weird time. It's a now, but not yet. Some things break through and others don't. And I, I, I don't understand why some do and some don't. That's, that's up to God. One of the things that we know, and I think especially about people that have struggled with mental health and they're Christian people. One of the things we know is that it is a, it is a pretty harrowing journey a lot of the time. A lot of the time when, when somebody is struggling with their mental health, it's, it's, it really begins by being confusing. What? Not me. There's no history in my family. I don't understand. What is going on? Right? They can't even figure out what's, what's really happening. Then there's the constant anxiety of actually having some kind of diagnosis, worrying about it. What does this mean for me? If you have kids, what does this mean for my kids? You're starting to, to, to feel anxious about the diagnosis itself. Not to mention the guilt that people go through. They're feeling guilty like, if I'm a Christian, I shouldn't be feeling this way. If I'm a Christian, I should never be sad. If I'm a Christian, I should never be depressed. And yet it's reality. It does happen to some people. I think about the guilt that sometimes that families would carry, you know? Families that know that their children, I think of parents that have children that have special needs because there is a diagnosis of their, their kids there and they start to feel guilty about the fact that they have to request special things because their kids need special things because of how they are. There's a guilt that sometimes gets carried there. There's a lot of things that happen in a person's life when they struggle with their mental health. It's often an unstable life. I think of the family members that constantly need to respond because depending on the severity of it, anything could happen at any moment. And sometimes what happens is they live on this heightened level of awareness, just ready at any moment, any day could be the day where they need to drop what they're doing, leave their job, go care for someone who needs help. And sometimes those family members themselves, they struggle with the guilt because they, they start to get carer's fatigue and they're like, I, I've been doing this for five years now. I don't know how, longer, how much longer I can keep this up. It keeps interrupting things in my life. Sometimes when a person struggles with their mental health, they already feel guilty about taking medication because shouldn't Jesus have fixed it by now? But what we don't get by miracle, we need to learn to manage, amen? So then they take medication, but that's not an exact science. Sometimes they try something and when it doesn't work, they try to something else until it all balances out and it works out. There's grief, the grief of the loss of friends 
that have done the journey for so long, but they can't do it anymore. So people start to disappear from their lives. They feel very alone and very isolated and they feel totally responsible for that. There's the shame that sometimes could come with, maybe I should have just prayed harder. Maybe, maybe Job's friends were right. Maybe I should have just prayed a little bit more and maybe this would have gone away. Maybe I just don't really believe enough. That's the problem. And then they go back through this, this, this spiritual crisis where they start to try to piece it together. Wait me, let me look back. Maybe there are some answers here. Let me, let me try to figure this out all over again because I shouldn't be going through this. It's, it's a tough journey to, 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 to navigate and to go through. So what do people do when they, when they go through this? What do you do if this is you and your life right now? I want to read a psalm to you. This is the first port of call. This is what you need to first understand. Psalm 34 verse 18. It says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and He saves the crushed in spirit. If you're struggling with your mental health, firstly, you are in good company. There are so many people that struggle with this. And the Bible tells us that God is so close to you. He sees you. He sees the challenges, the journey, the guilt, the shame, the frustration. He sees it all. He loves you. I love what Isaiah 26 verse 3 says. Actually, I'm going to get to that. Let me, let me just say a couple more things. If you do struggle with, with your mental health, <laughs> so, someone, someone's going to come along to you and they're going to say to you, hey, you should just pray harder. And, and you know, I don't know, maybe that's right. Maybe it's true. Maybe you, maybe you should pray a, a, a little bit more. That, that might be true. But you know what also might be true? Maybe the thing that you really need is some good sleep. Maybe the thing that would really help you would be to be part of a, a, a have a small group of people around you that, that understand what you're going through. You know, you know, in all of the research that I did, the, the thing that came through the clearest in every single case and study was that people that struggle with mental health, they don't need the whole church to know. That's often unhelpful, right? What they need is a small group of people that know, understand, and are willing to love them and take the journey. So maybe what they need is, a, is just a, a small group. Maybe what you need to do is change your diet get some exercise, try some therapy, take some medication. You know, Barna, they released a study just earlier this year in March, and they found something really interesting about people's mental health. Those who go to church weekly, their mental health was so much better than those who attended infrequently. And it's interesting because when people struggle with stress, anxiety or mental health issues, what's the first thing they want to do? Oftentimes it's to retreat and isolate themselves. And yet one of the things that the study, they went into a lot more depth than this, but overall they said that people who go to church regularly, it helps. It helps to be in an environment of faith. It helps to be able to stand in worship. It helps to be able to hear the message and the preaching of the Word. I still think the prayer thing is a good idea. No matter what, it's still a good idea. Because there's a peace and a power that comes with the presence of God. But one of the things that I've learned is, is that what we don't get by miracle, we still learn to manage. 
I want it. I believe for the miracles. Absolutely, that's the starting point. But if it doesn't happen, you've got to do something about it. And then you, and then you, you, you manage. And while you manage, you still pray. You can manage and believe for a miracle at the exact same time. There's no problem with that. No shame in that. I remember years ago, I, I actually hurt my back really bad. And when I did, it, it seized up. Honestly, the pain was like a nine, nine and a half out of 10. And at, at the absolute peak of my pain, I remember praying to God and saying, God, would you heal me? I know you've got the power to do it. That's a direct quote. I know you can, but it didn't happen. I mean, eventually it sort of dissipated and, and went away. And I wanted the miracle. I'll tell you, I, I didn't get one. So you know what I did though? I, I went and saw my physio and my physio kept massaging my back and he was making it better. And, and then I kept going back and seeing him. And then the whole time I'm praying, and I'm managing and I'm praying and believing, but I'm still managing. Right? And, and one time he, he says to me, hey, listen, the only way this thing is really gonna go away is if your back gets really strong. So you need to start working out properly. So then I, that's part of the reason why I, I often think about working out and going to the gym, it's because I need it. <laughs> if, I, if I don't do anything, my body will start to regress and start to maybe experience some pain. So I, I've got to keep this thing in some kind of shape. Listen, I need this thing. I, I'm sure I'm spirit and I'm soul, but I'm also body. And I need this thing to last another 50 years, all right, in Jesus' Name. That's what I'm hoping for. I'd love it to last and I, you know, that puts me at 91. I'm happy with that. That's great. Now I go see Jesus. I've got a lot more to do on planet earth, right? But, but I'm still believing for a miracle, but you know what? I'm, I'm managing while I'm waiting. While I'm waiting, I'm, I'm still seeing God though. I'm not, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up on that. Psalm 88, I told you David had that Psalm. He said where he says, my soul, I feel like I'm going down to Sheol, down to death. He actually finishes saying what he was saying here in Psalm 88, verse 13 to 14. He says, But I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning. My prayer comes before you. See, he's managing, but he's still going to God. He's still believing. He's still handing it over. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You keep him. Who's him? Could be any one of us in perfect peace. The word perfect peace is shalom, shalom. It's shalom twice. It's the perfect balance of everything in your life where everything is just working exactly the way it's supposed to. He says, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There's something about our minds. Even though things aren't perfect, where possible, we still got to set our minds on God. Come before him, get with him, pray to him, where possible, hand it over. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The world's peace is that everything is going okay. God's peace is not everything is okay, but I'm still with you in the middle of it. It's a different kind of peace. All right, so, so, so my circumstances are not going well. This is not okay, but you're with me. And I have some peace in my heart. My circumstances aren't exactly what I want, but you're with me. I trust you and I have some peace. Because no matter what, you're still the Lord God Almighty. You're still in charge of the universe. And there always remains in Him the possibility of being able to move and do something significant. Can you stand to your feet? I'm going to close really quickly. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.